Welcome, everybody, to How the Tech Are You, our weekly news show on uh, technology and random stuff we're just interested in and want to talk about, I guess. I am historian Matt. You can't find me anywhere. Okay, you can find me on the Plex on Sunday nights, but uh, not really anywhere else. Um, the guy with the pink mic. I am HK Perrin. Uh, a little bit about me. I'm a software developer. So on this show, I'm going to be focusing on software development news. Uh, I'm going to talk about things like new programming languages, uh, or sorry, new versions of programming languages. I might talk about new programming languages, but that would, uh, those are rare. Uh, and new programming tools, new programming environments. Uh, I'm going to try and focus on that. Uh, I might touch on other issues, but, uh, That'll be my focus. And over to you, Dave. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, producer Dave. You can find me on Grindr. Um, but uh, I've done uh, network security in the past. I've done systems administration in the past. Uh, but now I am a content creator using Linux and open source to create that content. So that's sort of going to be where I'm focused. Um, new tools coming out. Interesting things that I'm doing maybe around the studio. Uh, one of the interesting things maybe we'll be talking about going forward is as I switch to Pipewire, that'll be a lot of fun to talk about on the show. Uh, assuming there is even a show that can happen as I switch to Pipewire if everything doesn't break. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And you can check me out on Twitter or whatever. You can find uh, all of our Twitter handles actually at echoplexmedia.com. Go to the contact page and uh, everybody who has Twitter is on there. And uh, check out our other shows. You will be amazed and horrified. And uh, since I'm going first here... Um, I'm only going to kind of cover one thing this week, I think, because it's kind of a big deal in the Linux community, especially for content creators, because a lot of people are on Ubuntu. Ubuntu 22.04 just dropped. I installed it on the laptop that I carry around. I was not in a big hurry to install it on the computer that I use for production, you know, for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> um, well, because this thing works every time we go to do a show <laughs> and, uh, and you know, the, like on the day one, it's not a good time to switch everything over for like mission critical stuff. I know a lot of people do that and I think they're crazy, but I do admire their courage. Um, yeah. so I know, uh, me and HK have a few things to say about uh, gnome 42. And I think we're gonna have different things to say about gnome 42. <laughs> I thought it looked just, I just thought it looked great. I thought it like the way it looked versus I think we were on gnome like three, three, three or three, four on, uh, the last of two LTS, like just the way that it looked like, first of all, they had this weird theming going on before. I don't know if it was Ubuntu specific where there was like a standard theme, which was like a mix of dark and light and then like a light theme and a dark theme. And that was weird, especially because it gave you that standard theme, which was kind of halfway in between. Now it's just light and dark, and that dark theme looks great. Uh, go ahead, Yeah, okay. I, I personally think that Ubuntu's modifications, uh, which they, they call it Yaru, their theme, uh, I think it looks better than the default Adwaita theme. But, uh, you know, to each their own. Yeah, like for me on, like when I have just regular Ubuntu installed on the laptop that I carry around, I just want something like that's, my laptop's in my backpack. I open it up. Yeah. Everything's yeah, that's fairly the Yaru theme. Yeah. Everything's fairly familiar to me. I don't mess with anything and it just works. And that's been like Ubuntu's been pretty good with that ever since they since they switched to GNOME. But like they're 
like this one, it just, the way it looks every, I don't know. It feels like, like everything's like a little bit softer almost in the way that it looks. It does. It's not as jarring. Um, it might just be the display on this laptop's getting old and <laughs> softening. But, uh, the other thing I noticed was, um, for people who use virtual desktops, like instead of having like 73 monitors in front of them, the virtual desktops are like right there in a boon in the new Ubuntu when you hit the super key. And so you can switch between your virtual desktops like that instead of having to use finger gestures or uh, whatever people would do on the mouse to do that. Um, the other thing they finally did is they let you resize the, the dock. Like on the left-hand side of the screen is where all your like commonly used applications are and whatnot. And they let you resize that finally. And it works really well. I, I trimmed it down because my the screen I'm using is 14 inches and not very high resolution. So I trimmed that down. Um, the new screenshot tool is pretty cool because it has screen recording. It's not as good as uh, o, like OBS, but like on the go, if you just want to record something real quick, it's right there. It's real easy. It will record your desktop audio for you without a whole lot of trouble. And Does it um, let you record directly to a GIF? No, but I have, I could, uh, there's a website, Easy GIF. Okay. That you I can, feel like uh, more places should include that because GIFs just work everywhere. That's not a bad idea. If only we knew a software engineer. <laughs> um, the other thing that I noticed is the file manager was cleaned up a lot. Uh, it wasn't like anything specific that I could point my finger to about Nautilus, the new version of it, but it just, it, it felt a little bit different and I, I'd have to look at them side by side to really, to really kind of tell people what I thought there. They fixed the software center. The software center before was a dumpster fire. It took forever to load. Like I didn't use it. I would just install everything from the command line. And I launched the software center and it just launched and I clicked that around. That was my biggest gripe with Ubuntu. The software center was broken for years, years, like through spanning several releases. Right. All the way back to like unity. The software center was garbage. <laughs> yeah. It not, not just only garbage. Like it was broken, broken on a brand new installation of Ubuntu. Oftentimes the software center just wouldn't even work. Right. It was one of the reasons it was sometimes harder for me to recommend Ubuntu to people who maybe were getting tired of Windows or whatever, um, just because the software center was so bad. And um, not only does it work now, which is probably the best improvement, but uh, there's more information just kind of at a glance when you're searching through things, too. Like before you would have to go in and to find out if something was a snap or like from the PPAs. And now you can kind of tell just from the search, which is nice because. A lot of people want snaps and like on my laptop, I'll just install the snap. It's fine. But if I'm installing something on my production machine, I want the stuff from the PPA because then it's not loading a bunch of crap that's already on the system. It's faster. It's going to be more responsive. It's going to play nicer with pulse and Jack. Um, sometimes snaps like because they have their own pulse audio built into them. They won't show up in my pulse audio. Um, in my pulse audio control panel. And so then I have to just hope that it's sending it <laughs> through the right pulse sync and jack. And that doesn't work in production. So that's real good. Um, one of the things I didn't like is that Firefox, they installed it default as a snap. Yeah, you can't even install it from apt anymore because the, the repo doesn't have a Firefox Debian build, like Deb package build. So like if, if you want to install it, from a deb package, you have to either just install the deb package manually or add a PPA for it. Right. And I don't know why they would do that. <clears throat> it seems like a 
seems like an application where they don't need to do that. I think they're just maybe something internally they want to push the snap format for the uh well, the, the reason that they say that they do it is because it is much easier to update Firefox through the snap and they want Firefox to be updated right away. I okay, I'm I mean I'm not buying it because you just you just update things. <laughs> I don't know. Well, there there might be a library that Firefox is using that needs to be updated, but that would break other packages. Mm. So, I do understand that it is like it it's valuable to have it in a snap that can be updated really quickly. I just don't like snaps. I think Flatpak is better. Well, I just don't like them like it's I just don't like basically them forcing people because then the other problem is again yeah. with a new user, they're going to think Ubuntu is slow because of how long Firefox because Ubuntu is slow. <laughs> well, because of how, but the snap takes forever to load. Yeah. <laughs> like so they're going to think Ubuntu is the only one that uses snap, so Right. Ubuntu is slow. Right. Because, yeah, that's the browser that comes with it. And that's what most new users are going to be using is the browser, right? When you, when you turn someone onto something like Ubuntu, it's because they're not using Photoshop. They're not like some kind of power user who has some particular Windows application that they need because you can't really turn those people onto Ubuntu. You're turning like the typical user, somebody who browses the web, checks their Facebook, goes to a, you know, maybe Elon Musk's Twitter. Um, they, you know, you're, you're trying to turn someone on who's not really doing anything particular that needs specific applications in Windows. And then they go in here and they're, they're like, why is Firefox taking this long to load? It's like their first impression. The yeah. first thing they're going to open probably is going to be the pre-installed browser, even if they're using it to get Chromium or Brave or Chrome or you know some other browser. So I just wish they wouldn't have done that because it just... Yeah. Firefox is not an application that generally i've thought of as wow this takes a long time to load so they kind of they kind of ruined firefox and maybe maybe people have the impression that firefox on linux more broadly just sucks because it takes so long to load in the most popular distribution and uh yeah and it it does get better the second time you load it and beyond but that first impression it's so important and they just they messed it up and the last thing, this is something I don't really, you know, I, I notice things about it, but I'm not going to have as much uh, knowledge maybe as uh, HK is. Uh, they, the Linux kernel f- uh, 515 is on some devices, and on my laptop, it's an Ubuntu certified device. It's 517, and maybe uh, HK can talk a little bit more about that and what's going on in the new kernel. Yeah, so Ubuntu or uh, Linux 517 just came out. Uh, I think it came out at the end of last month. Uh after it got delayed for i think a week uh and it includes a lot of fixes for for hardware uh but not really much else not any big notable features or anything but uh yeah it was it was funny seeing the progression it was like particularly slow for a kernel that was not really a whole lot of new features but uh yeah i'm happy to see it ship yeah, and the LTS is usually pretty far behind on the kernel, so it's, I think it's good that that people at Canonical kind of tried to do everything they could to make sure that for at least for certain certified devices that it was as current as possible when the LTS comes out because that 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 version now it's the kernel and everything is just going to lag behind. 
like the rest of the ecosystem, nope. which is the point of the LTS. Don't get me wrong. I understand why they yeah, do it. LTS doesn't change. <laughs> right. Like some security. App- sure. But and yeah. some some applications like user land applications will update. Obviously, like your browser, if a new version of Caden Live comes out, you'll get it. But yeah, a lot of the a lot of the core components are just going to stay the same. You're not going to get a kernel until like the dot release. The 22.04.1 is probably the next time you're going to see a kernel. If you see it yeah. there, you'll see like security updates for it. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's funny. You should mention that like Ubuntu kind of lags behind, uh, they lag behind on gnome as well. Like you were saying the last version of gnome wasn't gnome 41 or even I think gnome 40. Uh, it was like gnome 3.36 or something. It was, it was a pretty, a particularly old version of gnome. And the funny thing is now that, Ubuntu just came out with GNOME 42. I'm running Manjaro and it's still got GNOME 41. So this is the first time that I can remember, at least since switching to Manjaro, that I've had an older version of GNOME running than the current version on Ubuntu. <laughs> well, that'll, that'll be the case for a very short amount of time. Yep. <laughs> so just real quick, uh, they also released all the other flavors. Um, there's a, uh, you saw it when last time you were here in the studio, HK, there's a big touch screen that we have Kubuntu on. Um, I ran, I updated to Kubuntu 22.04, but I can't even tell you my first impression of it because I just updated to it and haven't used it for anything. But I imagine that that machine will continue to allow you to view the chat. So, <laughs> and uh, Ubuntu studio updated to 22.04. And the big deal there is that they switched to plasma from uh, XFCE for the desktop. And um, that's cool. Hmm. And I will install this eventually on the production machines here in the studio, uh, but I won't uh, do it now because I won't do it now. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait a while. I think I just got to 20.04 on the production machines here six months ago because I knew that 22.04 was coming out soon and things were really going to start to lag behind. Plus, I have to um, then basically mirror the same install on the media wenches system. And so it's like a whole thing. Um, the other problem it is with it with doing that is we use the tools from KX Studio, which I fucking cannot say enough about. I'm also not supposed to swear on this show, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I can't say enough about the KX Studio tools, and they've basically said over and over again, if you are running KX Studio, please don't expect all of our like our whole software suite to just install day one when the new LTS of Ubuntu comes out because it will not. They're a very small team, and I appreciate all the work they do, and so I listen to them. Um, <clears throat> and I guess that's it for me on Ubuntu 22.04, and I guess that's it for my segment. I was going to mention Fedora, but I'm not a Fedora user, and I feel like I've taken up plenty of time. So, All right, well, uh, I'll start talking about my stuff. Uh, I'm... I'm going to talk about the new Node.js that just came out. Node.js 18 just came out, and it has the Fetch API by default, available by default. That is a huge deal. Uh, you want to explain it a little bit? Yeah, so Node, uh, Node hasn't had a Fetch API. They've had uh, their own version of an HTTP request uh, library. And the browser has had, like every major browser has had the Fetch API available for years now. And Node has just lagged behind. So there's uh, there's one 
library in particular that gives you fetch or at least the fetch api on node uh it's called node fetch and it's it's good you know i use it but lately they switched it to uh i think they switched it from cjs to an an ecmascript module and that switch caused a lot of issues with everything that i have so i've i've just got it pinned at like the last version of node fetch so it's been it's been a pain using node without fetch uh so i'm really excited to see this coming out and because my libraries like every single library that i maintain i like to keep it uh usable for the past three versions of node the past three like lts releases of node so maybe within like four or five years i might be able to start using fetch (laughs) (laughs) Um, what is a fetch what does fetch api do for uh, people like me who have no idea what you're talking about oh yeah so when you're uh when you're working in node.js which runs on the server uh it runs it's a JavaScript environment that runs on the server and you want to make an HTTP request. So you as the server want to request something from another server, like say a web page or an image or something from another server. You use uh, some library that creates an HTTP request and retrieves the data and gives it to you. And node had its own version of an HTTP request because when node came out, the fetch API didn't even exist. So the fetch API uh, has been a standard part of JavaScript for several years now. And it basically re-implemented the functionality that the old HTTP uh, XML request or XML HTTP request object that object did. And that was, (laughs) that object was invented by Microsoft, which is why it's so terrible and so terribly named. Uh, But fetch replaced that fetch lets you generate an HTTP request from within a JavaScript environment. Uh, And the browsers had it, like I said, for years. So finally node has it now. So if, if I'm not mistaken, an example of that might be on my IceCast server. If it wants to grab, it needs to grab from like a database, it grabs like album art and pops it up. Yep. Yeah. It'll grab the album art over HTTP using a fetch request. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is TypeScript 4.7 beta. Uh, I use TypeScript in like all of my libraries and TypeScript hasn't had uh, first-party support for ECMAScript modules. Uh, and now, finally, with this 4.7 beta, TypeScript is adding support for ECMAScript modules, which is a really big deal. Uh, it means you can use those modules without having to transpile them to CommonJS. Uh, so that's a big deal. That's wanna, really cool. Do you want to do a quick description of what TypeScript is? Yeah, so TypeScript is a superscript uh sorry, a superset of JavaScript. Uh is that the right word? Basically TypeScript is JavaScript plus types. So any valid JavaScript is valid TypeScript, it's an extension but not any on... not any valid TypeScript is valid JavaScript. Uh TypeScript can you can add strict typing 
so that basically if you try and call something like a function and pass it an argument and the argument is the wrong type, TypeScript will yell at you and say, hey, you're passing in a number here and it's expecting a string, you know, things like that. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more detail uh, when you dig into it, but uh, TypeScript TypeScript came from Microsoft and Flow, a competing typed version of JavaScript, came from Facebook. And I think at this point, TypeScript won. Uh, basically, everyone uses TypeScript now. Uh, if you're if you're a JavaScript library maintainer and you don't offer types, people will yell at you. And <laughs> real quick, what is ECMAScript? ECMAScript is the standard that uh, defines JavaScript. Uh, ECMA or the ECMA is the standards organization that has control over JavaScript. Um, and ECMAScript is like the formal name of JavaScript. So you can use them interchangeably. Uh, but ECMAScript uh, version 6, which is JavaScript version 6, defined this new type of, uh, of way to, to get JavaScript from, like to get code from another file called ECMAScript modules. And uh, those modules, a lot of people have switched to them now. Uh, there's still a whole lot of common JS modules. Those were like the modules that Node invented. Uh, but nowadays, new libraries are switching to ECMAScript modules, or new libraries are implemented in ECMAScript, and old libraries are being transitioned. Uh, so TypeScript adding ECMAScript module support is a big deal. Uh, next, I want to talk about IntelliJ IDEA 2022.1. Uh, in case you don't know what IntelliJ IDEA is, it is an IDE for writing Java. Uh, and uh, IntelliJ IDEA, I used it a little bit at LinkedIn. Uh, I haven't used it a whole lot, but it's a really nice IDE. It's got some really nice features. Uh, and this version introduced a dependency analyzer that will help you manage uh, all of your Maven and Gradle dependencies. Uh, those are two uh, build, build managers. I don't know what you call them. Basically, they're in charge of building, build jo uh, build building managers, Java yeah. into an actual program. Uh, so those, uh, all the dependencies for those two, uh, those two build managers, you can now manage through IntelliJ IDEA. Uh, another thing they, uh, they added was a notifications tool window. Uh, so you can now actually like go back and see old notifications, which is always nice. Uh, and then lastly, I want to talk about OpenBSD 7.1. Uh, OpenBSD 7.1 came out on April 21st, and as per their announcement, it is now ready for general use on Apple Silicon. So good job, OpenBSD developers. That is awesome. Uh, I love to see that. that. The Apple M1 chips are really nice chips. Uh, I've got one and it's, God, it lasts, like, it's so powerful and it lasts forever. The battery life on it is amazing. 
So I would love to see, uh, you know, I, I'd love to see alternative OSs because Mac is all right, but I prefer Linux and OpenBSD, FreeBSD, all that. Uh, so yeah, big kudos to the OpenBSD developers. That's awesome to hear. Uh, and if you've got an Apple M1 laptop or an Apple M1 device, uh, and you you like to try out alternative OSs, give it a try. This is just in time, uh, by the way, for FreeNAS to uh, stop basing on uh, BSD, change themselves to TrueNAS, and uh, base themselves on Linux. So, <laughs> just, <laughs> my only real experience with uh, BSD has been uh, on FreeNAS uh, devices before, and it <clears throat> I never had any problems with it. But I didn't really dig into the underlying operating system, and I've never. <clears throat> Never had occasion to really use uh, BSD at work or yeah. anything like that. Well, OpenBSD is a really nice OS. I've uh, I've tinkered around with it a little. I've never actually like used it as a daily driver, but uh, I've tinkered around with it, and it's it's uh, an incredibly secure and like rock solid OS. Uh, you know, people people talk about how secure Linux is. Uh, OpenBSD has fewer vulnerabilities historically than Linux. So OpenBSD is like if if Linux is top tier, if Linux is like A tier, OpenBSD is like S tier. And that's for a combination of reasons. One they I understand they have something that they call jails, which is a little bit similar to to Docker sort of, but not really and a lot of applications run in there, but also the attack surface is just smaller and fewer fewer bad guys or whatever are out there trying to write malware that will infect the BSD machines. So you that know, is true. So it's, it's a combination of, you know, yeah. probably good engineering, but also just like the small attack surface means that less people are trying to go after it. Whereas windows has the biggest attack surface and that's why most people are writing malware for windows. And so, yeah, if you want, if you want your stuff secure, definitely go with BSD because nobody's trying to, nobody's even knocking on the door. <laughs> all right so move on to my section yep uh yep. that was it for ready? me so right. go ahead matt all right so uh i guess i didn't really announce what i go over and, and what my section is about um i think generally so i'm gonna go over some uh crypto news and uh in this section i'm gonna have some stuff on evs and what else uh general like in general i'll probably cover more stuff that's uh like consumer level electronics whatever i feel like uh, uh talking about for the day so today starting off with some crypto news uh coinbase gets in to, on the uh, nft scam i mean market <laughs> uh for those who don't know nfts nft stands for non-fungible token uh mostly if you've heard of them before you've probably seen stuff like the bored apes and it's a way of sort of trading images online and only have like you don't really have one copy but it's supposed to mean Mean some sort of ownership of it. Um, NFTs are really complicated, and they do a lot of different things. But mostly, they like just Beanie use it babies. for art stuff, like Beanie Babies for tech bros. Is is what that I've heard is it actually a pretty as. good description of it right now. For I didn't come up with that. I 
I heard that on on Twitter somewhere. And it's it's sort of like <laughs> it's sort of like almost like having a title deed for the original art or whatever. If 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 no, it gets really weird because it's you know people say that oh it's being like minted on the blockchain, which is you know what crypto is based on, but. Um, the image actually isn't on the blockchain. What gets put on a blockchain is a URL, basically a link to the image on some other website. Yeah, it's so like a title. Exactly de- it's like a title deed. How they confusing. It's like a title deed, how they can't put your car on the title deed because the car's big and doesn't fit on the title deed. So <laughs> right, it's, right. It's, I but, mean, it's not, uh, it's not perfect, but it's, it's close enough. I think, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's what they're trying to do. Uh, there, but there have been some problems where people like they're basically buying this URL and then whoever actually owns a website changes the image that it links to and, and that causes problems. So <laughs> there's a bunch of scams around to be very careful, but Coinbase is, is getting in on it, uh, legitimizing it to a certain respect. Coinbase is basically the biggest crypto exchange in the United States that is like fully registered and, um, probably not illegal, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I they, they've done all the things and you're allowed to trade if you're uh, an American, uh, uh, you want to trade here. There are some other exchanges outside of the US that you can change, uh, exchange on, but it's really iffy, you know? I have so a Coinbase question regarding the is, URL. Uh, is a big deal. What was right. that? I have a question regarding the URL. Yeah. If what you're putting on on the blockchain is a URL. Couldn't you just put a data URL? Put a data URL? Yeah, like use a use the data scheme for like a base 64 encoded image. Well, yeah, but that would be really big. It would be, yeah. That's the problem. They're trying to cut down. See, the blockchain can't... Like, you can put a lot of data on it, but you have problems like a block only contains so much data. Uh, so making a URL is supposed to reduce the amount of data that gets put on the blockchain basically uh, there are actually sounds like NFTs. it's just bad ideas all around yeah it sounds like like you know how like things are like half baked it sounds like this is just dough that nobody ever put in the oven <laughs> well yeah but i think it's kind of dumb because they what they could have done is within the url make that a hash of some sort of the image so at least there's like some link very directly to the image right so if somebody changed it yeah they've really effed it up, right? <laughs> I don't know what else yeah, to Yeah, and say. it would tell you like, oh, that's not the thing that you bought. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're also not buying like the copyrights to it. No, not unless whoever makes it explicitly says that in their NFT somewhere. Like, um, says a lot of them, it's, it's basically a contract, again, because that's how it kind of works. Uh, and I don't know like all the details of how they're they're put together, but you can actually say you you have the rights to, to this image, you know, all copyrighted rights, but most of them don't do that. Or at least it's don't so enforce very it. Silly. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, some quick things on that, uh, on the Coinbase based NFT market. Um, it's based on Ethereum. Uh, so the Ethereum blockchain, uh, which is one of the, you know, many, it's probably the biggest one that you can do NFTs and other kind of contracts on, uh, OpenSea is another website. It's basically their biggest competitor that also runs on uh, Ethereum. Um, it currently has like 95% of the Ethereum NFT market. So that's the, <laughs> that's like the big competition right there. Probably most of the NFTs you've seen have probably come from OpenSea. But if you're interested in using it, it's 
The website is nft.coinbase.com. So but also real, probably don't. Real, real quick, this and this is just kind of a funny thing. I changed my name on Twitter, the display name, to Gay Dave NFT Thief. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> a bunch of people with these weird ape um, yeah. logos and a check mark next to the name followed me. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I get engagement from them all the, all the time from all these verified accounts just because I changed my name to NFT Thief. Either they thought it was funny or the fact that NFT is in the username they have some kind of like software running or whatever that has them yeah. follow me and like my like my statuses and stuff i just thought that was kind of funny yeah i'd believe it like nft is the hot thing right now and just for funsies since we're talking about ethereum and the ethereum uh blockchain the ethereum merge has been pushed back to q3 or q4 if you know anything about that this is basically ethereum is being updated to ethereum 2.0 which includes a lot of changes and updates, uh, including the switch from proof of work to proof of stake. Uh, the proof of stake is a lot of people are looking forward to it. And uh, uh, one of the things that's really nice about that, it's not directly for the Ethereum or Ether, the, the actual coin that's on it, but uh, it's hope when we actually switch to proof of stake, the amount of power used to run Ethereum and the, the Ethereum network will drop just drastically. Uh, they think it'll, it'll drop down to maybe 1% of the power usage, which will make it almost like a green uh, crypto, but not really. It's still using power, but Yeah, but better. think of all the e-waste RTX 3090s. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't need any of those. You know, I've been looking for a video card. I'm just kind of slight weight. A friend of... A friend of Patty K from the Ruffies gave me a slightly faster one than what I had before. But what I want is like a like a, a fast video card. So I am looking forward to this. <laughs> well, I don't know how much it's going to help because Bitcoin, the you know original cryptocurrency, is not switching over. I don't think they have any plans to switch over to proof of stake. Bitcoin, um, you don't usually mine on graphics cards, though. That's true. Yeah, use ASICs, right? I don't know if Ethereum yep. does either, but yeah, you can for sure mine Ethereum on graphics cards. Okay, fair enough. I don't. Rem I don't remember the uh, protocol they use. Actually, shout out to the fellows over at PC Per, uh, the PC Per podcast. They've done a pretty good job of explaining why they hate Ethereum <laughs> because they're they're it's a it's a a gaming and computer hardware show. So they're like oh, they've done okay. a pretty good job of. <laughs> explaining why they hate this stuff because they're like i yeah. think i should just be able to buy a video card what is wrong what is going on like the chip <laughs> yeah, shortage made it bad following... enough like the chip shortage was bad enough but then like a lot of people like you know working from home or some people even lost their jobs or whatever picked up sort of crypto as like a hobby and so that made that like added i guess insult to injury or whatever to people who were just looking to buy a video card and so this is like really good actually if they're going to change this super good That's not good just for me but just for like the whole there's a whole other industry actually that needs uh video cards and it's why we have video yeah. cards it's called video games <laughs> so <laughs> yeah everybody in that industry is like breathing a sigh of relief as soon as this happens well probably everybody but the chip makers who can yeah. sell for more right <laughs> yeah nvidia is probably upset about this <laughs> well maybe well the maybe video card scalpers would be the most upset because if you can grab a couple video cards at msrp especially at the beginning if you could find a way to grab a few at msrp and then sell them for four times as much those people didn't like it either but like you know i'm not i'm not going to shed a tear for the video card scalpers 
<laughs> well, thanks for the update. I have not been following mining as much. I just knew that, uh, and I didn't know that the Ethereum was doing the, the graphics cards, but I just knew that people were complaining a lot about the, the electricity used, power used. Uh, so moving on, uh, also on the electric side. Uh, so the F-150, Ford F-150 Lightning goes on sale that actually apparently starts tomorrow. Um, so the F-150 tomorrow Lightning as of is... What? Tomorrow as of recording. As of recording. That's right. So I don't know. <laughs> we're recording like, on April 25th, so tomorrow is April 26th to us. The 26th, yes. Thanks for the clarification. Um, there have been like a bunch of pre-orders. So I don't know exactly what they mean by on sale. Slash, I don't know if that, that actually means they're, they'll be delivering the first versions or, or what. Um, but the, the F-150, the Lightning is very similar to the internal combustion engine uh, F-150, the gas-powered one. However, they added some niceties like, uh, you know, having power outlets so you can actually run off the big battery in the, in the lightning. You can, and I don't know the details on how you do this, but basically you can plug the, the, the lightning into your house through a certain converter. And basically if the power goes out, you can run off of your lightning for a certain period of time. So it's basically like a giant house battery if, if necessary. <laughs> a little nicety but the one a lot of people are talking about is the extra large frunk so the front truck trunk uh that was, was you know gained popularity with uh tesla cars but apparently this is a really large one and you could they're talking about basically tailgating out of the front or front great gating <laughs> <laughs> or something to that effect uh what else the the starting price is under forty thousand dollars but that's basically getting the truck and like nothing <laughs> like i don't think you can even get it that's like the they claim starting price but you wouldn't get anything with it with, for that sounds like the average price will be around like seventy thousand and of course if you really want to pay a lot of money you can go over a hundred thousand for it for the really nice version i guess uh, there's a lot of other competitors for the Lightning out already. So um, Rivian's R1T is already out. I think it started delivery. You've been able to reserve them for a long time. There's a whole issue around that. But you know they start around $80,000 um, and go up. I think, though, their starting is a little bit better. Like the, You could actually probably use that <laughs> version of the truck, right? Um, there's also a Hummer EV that is out, which basically competes with it, uh, with the Lightning. Of course, that starts at $112,000. <laughs> and apparently it's so big and obnoxious, even though it's an EV, it still, you know, destroys the environment <laughs> somehow. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be a Hummer if it didn't. Right, exactly. Uh, the, the buyers missed it, so they added in something to produce CO2. <laughs> yeah, no, they're just the, I think the complaints are even though it runs on EV and you can, you know, charge it up, it's so big, it just uses so many resources to build it initially that it just cancels out everything you say from driving, driving it around on electricity. I don't know how true that is, but it is a, a complaint about it. Uh, let's see, Chevrolet has their Silverado EV. It is not out yet. 
should be coming out next spring. So we'll keep an eye on that. And uh, finally, what everybody has talked about, you know, for the past few years is the Cybertruck, which may come out in 2023, maybe keeps getting pushed back. <laughs> I have opinions about the Cybertruck. I do too. Yeah, I remember. I'm sure you do. You remember the indestructible window incident? <laughs> <laughs> That was, that was great. that was fantastic, and then he was like, "Here, try it again," and it <laughs> break the next one. Next one. Uh, so I drive a truck. Do you guys drive a truck? Neither you drive the truck, right? I do not drive a truck. My parents have trucks, though. Okay. I think they they have an F one fifty. I don't think both of them. They have two trucks, one each. So I drive a truck because yeah. I haul things like on a yeah fairly regular basis. Uh, which means I, I've developed a, a kind of taste for how the, the bed of my truck is laid out. There are certain things that I wish my truck had that it doesn't, and there are certain things that my truck has that I'm really happy about. Uh, just for reference, I have a Toyota Tacoma uh, 2007 year model, uh, or model year. But uh, so I, when I first saw the Cybertruck, my my very first thought was someone who's never owned a truck designed that truck because they made yeah. so many glaringly obvious mistakes things that i've seen in other trucks like the chevy avalanche had the exact same like one of the exact same problems where you have this beam running down from the top of the cab to the middle of the bed and basically what that does is it cuts off a large portion of your bed that you would be able to put things that extend above the edge of your bed. Now you can't put anything there. Yeah. So like they're just introducing some like really rookie mistakes on their very first truck. So I'm not a fan of the Cybertruck. But I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm guessing that the Cybertruck is more, more like a status symbol or it's that that's what it's going to be versus like somebody's work truck. Yeah. It's a truck <laughs> right. that you own. If you don't actually care about owning a truck. <laughs> I'm sure there's some stuff that you could do with it that, you know, would be useful and would work with that truck. I don't think it would uh, work better than other trucks, but <laughs> you might be able to tow a second cyber truck. You might be able to tow a truck with like a normal bed and put the stuff in the truck that you're towing. <laughs> tow HK's truck behind it and have room and then put put your put your payload in that. <laughs> and then when your when your cyber truck runs out of battery, you could start up the other truck and tow the cyber truck instead. It's like infinite range. <laughs> So I think that was like one of the, the things people really liked about the F-150 Lightning coming out and its design because it's basically the F-150, oh, yeah. but electric. Like they didn't change much of anything. They didn't, they didn't change the style. There's some like minor things. Lights are a little bit different. You know, I didn't talk about them, but uh, for the most part, it is the F-150. Um, yeah. it's, what I would, it's what I would want out of an electric truck. Yeah. And like uh, one Rivian's of the one truck of the, is also just looks like mostly like a normal truck. Some people complain about how the front 
part looks like they they call it the pig nose because the the way the lights are it looks kind of like a, a pig nose <laughs> but i mean it will work as a truck you know they have some yeah. other like funky stuff but uh it's not it looks like something designed by somebody who has a truck right well one of and the it, things it would one, be like it would be perfect if if you were like say like a farmer or something and you just used your truck around your farm and then like once in a while to go into yeah. town it would be perfect for that because you don't need right. the extra long range yeah and like yeah. one of the things that people don't like about a, tr- a truck is that there's you have to buy lock boxes or whatever if you want like lock storage and this comes with we'll call it we'll say it as junk in the yeah. frunk and uh <laughs> no that's like that's huge for people like for people who want to also yeah. use it as a car yeah it's you huge. Can keep tools yeah. in there or anything you keep anything in there that and you can lock it so it's like a huge deal for people yeah, yeah. so apparently the uh the front the frunk on the the f-150 lightning uh they say it's big enough to hold uh two golf bags um, but they've also like, they put a drain in it apparently. So you can put your, uh, cooler and stuff in there. Uh, and if any water gets out, you can basically drain it out is the idea. So that's, they, they're definitely aiming for like tailgating, but it's the front. So front gating kind of thing. And I'm interested to see what Chevy does because these are the two companies that have been building trucks. And so I figure the Chevy right. one's probably going to be mo- more, in line with what people expect a truck to do as well. Like the Ford one. Right. Right. Um, if you're wondering why everybody's interested in making EV trucks, apparently the best selling vehicle in the United States is F series, you know, F one fifty and the other F series trucks. Second best is basically, I think the the Silverado trucks from Chevy. (laughs) Um, and the third, Best selling is another truck, so <laughs> that's Probably why everybody's trying to get into the trucks. Tacomas are fantastic trucks. Yeah, I don't think uh, Tacoma is on that list, uh, but yeah, how, I mean, I've heard really good things about them. How dare that list not include Tacoma? The data should match up with my reality, not real reality. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> so that's all I got about the the F one fifty. So finally. This is kind of a, a, I don't know, a personal pet peeve. I just fuck stuff up. Hold on. Um, there is a company uh, called Arkimoto has uh, released what they basically made this electric trike. So if you've been uh, following bicycles and stuff, you, you've probably seen you know, stuff about trikes. They're, they've become particularly popular. And especially making electric bikes and trikes are, are popular to, to get around having to run a gas car all the time. And, you know, with gas prices so high, it's, it's some alternative for, for shorter trips and stuff. So Arkmoto has designed this trike that they've made. And I think it's absolutely terrible. <laughs> I want to complain about it for a minute. So the, this, this trike that they made, uh, they, they seem to have completely ignored other trikes that that have been around for a while, particularly the recumbent trikes that are the really popular right now and uh, have electric versions that, that work great. But instead they've made this like upright trike. It does have the two wheels in the front, which is similar to a tadpole style uh, recumbent trike. If you haven't seen them, well, you've probably seen them if you've been around uh, a lot of biking shows or something. I don't know. 
races or something that that allow trikes and recumbents in them. They're very popular right now. Um, they're particularly good. The tadpole style is, is particularly good for people who have balance issue and can't ride a, a regular bike anymore. So a lot of retirees are using them. And they're easy to add, like, you know, electric assist to them and makes them a, a fun little little thing. In fact, uh, my mom has a, a, she has two recumbent trikes, and one of them she just added an electric assist to and is apparently having a lot of fun with. So um, they're, they're great. But these people, the Arkimoto has made it sort of an upright bike or upright bike slash trike where you're sitting up high on this, like what looks like a regular, almost like a regular bike, except it has two wheels in the front. It doesn't sound too bad. They added a bunch of hardware so that you can lean in the turns, which is their, like one of their big selling points because trikes, usually you can't lean much. Of course, with uh, the tadpole style trike, you're so low to the ground that you don't really need to that much. You, you do kind of to, to deal with it but if you're not you're probably not going very fast anyways um so it's kind of a overkill and it may be why they made it upright like they did but they did other stuff like there's no bicycle chain on this trike they decided to just make like a single shaft to connect the the pedals to and it doesn't even seem to be attached to the wheels it seems to be attached to just a generator to uh, charge up the battery and then the battery runs the, the trike itself. <laughs> it's, uh, it just seems like, a, but and I'm, I guess some people who don't know, like that sounds like maybe that's a good design, except if any of that breaks, you can't take it to a regular bike shop, which is like all over the place. You have to get like specific stuff from them. Like bike chains are very standard. I guess <laughs> that's not a big problem to, to get replaced or, or fixed or worked on and stuff. So what else? Um, the other like kind of good thing that they added is you can put it in stationary mode. Uh, so it doesn't, you're pedaling, but you're not actually like moving the, the trike itself. And that will actually recharge the battery. So you're using your own power to, to recharge the battery. As you're going I had along. a bike that would do that a lot of when I tried to shift, it would put itself into stationary mode. <laughs> the bike would put it into stationary mode. Yeah, you know, the chain would just go boop. Yeah. Right <laughs> off the gear. Yeah. <laughs> Bam. Pedals pedaling doesn't do same. anything. <laughs> Not quite the same yeah. thing. Sounds like you uh sounds like you needed some adjustment there, buddy. That bike was that was not a good bike. <laughs> So anyways, this, uh, it's called the mean lean machine from Arkmoto. Uh, it's there's, it, they've been advertising Does it, it all grill over the place. Fat? What? Does it grill fat? No. I mean, you're pedaling though, right? So you're burning fat. <laughs> so couldn't you call it the mean lean fat grilling machine? They probably, uh, will get sued <laughs> or at least beat up by George Foreman. Yeah. <laughs> so like I, I really felt like I needed to say something about that because they're advertising it. I've seen it in a bunch of different places. Uh, I do follow some bike stuff. I would not recommend it. Look stupid. Just get a tadpole type style recumbent trike with a uh, electric assist. Yeah. I yeah. see a lot of the, uh, the, 
the the bike party people who are towing um, a lot of speakers are start starting to switch over from a standard kind of e-bike to what you're describing, I guess the tadpole style bike where you're kind yeah. of laying down. And I don't know if it's just because they're popular or if there's some specific reason that's better for them to be towing all this stuff. Um, it's probably a lot easier for them to tow, especially if it has like an electric cyst on it. Um, but they're, yeah, the, those trikes are really popular. I was kind of surprised. I ride recumbent bicycles and I'm starting to have trouble finding shops that will actually like sell them. <laughs> They've all turned into their recumbent trikes shops. Uh, you can find them all over the place. Huh? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean the, the bikes they were using at bike party prior were also like electronic assist. If you're towing like, yeah, if you're towing like professional sound systems on a trailer behind a bike, you're doing it with electric assist. In fact, the, you know, some of the, one of the guys is an electrical engineer and was helping people add more batteries at, you know, upgrade the motors yeah. in, in the bikes, yeah. that, that kind of stuff. So, but it is interesting to see them all starting to lay down. It's a, uh, yeah, it's just, <laughs> well, I think that's a lot more comfortable way to, to ride a bike. Uh, I'm sure other people, some people might, might disagree, but I don't know how. Yeah, I mean, if if can I'm not go DJing, fifty miles an hour down a hill, though, can you do what? Can you go fifty miles an hour down a hill, though? Yes, in fact, a recumbent an recumbent bike is more aerodynamic than upright bikes. So going downhill really fast is actually easier than a regular. <laughs> Have you seen that video bike? of the guy who like gets up onto his bike and puts his yeah? Legs I've seen that. That's really funny. Him. That that That's might be more aerodynamic. <laughs> <clears throat> Sounds dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, when I ride, if I don't DJ at bike party, I ride and drink the whole time. So I'm the, the <laughs> least complicated contraption I can get my hands on. <laughs> so like a, like a, like a, like a, a, a city bike is, is a good way to go. Yeah. I don't know enough about this stuff and it's, um, <clears throat> I'll take a look into it. Cause I know a lot of the bike party guys are like really bike guys and gals are like really interested yeah. in this stuff. Um, yeah, unfortunately we're, we're just basically doing the, uh, um, the podcast version of the show. Now I have images I could show them be more clear, but podcast people will be very confused. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. So just look up a uh, tadpole recumbent trike. Um, the other style is called a Delta. That's with the, the two wheels in the back and one in the front, probably more like what, what you've seen in the past for, adult trikes you know right like those the, aren't as popular like it's, the that's like, the adult version of the big wheel right yeah yeah pretty much yeah. yeah like when you go when you go to a city or whatever and somebody will give you a ride on the back of their their trike that's yep. that kind of trike yeah yep all right well all right fellas i think i think that one's in the can that's the first episode of how the tech are you Yep. Yeah. Uh, if you, uh, we're going to do this every week, correct? In theory. We're going to try. <laughs> in theory. Um, <clears throat> since I'm good at this stuff, I guess I'll read the show out. You can find the show. Please do. You can find the show on uh, all the major podcatchers. If it's not on the podcatcher you use, just wait a couple weeks. It'll be there. And then you can go ahead and email us. You can hit us up, uh, echo at echoplexmedia.com. I'll make sure that it ends up on the podcatcher, but I added it to all the major ones and those seem to populate a lot of the smaller, um, less popular ones. 
You can find this on YouTube, or maybe we'll put a link to the YouTube channel in the show notes for the podcast. And we are working on the making the YouTube version of this look like a YouTube show and not just three people in boxes with space in where the fourth box might be. Um, and you check out all of our other shows at Echoplex Media. Just search for Echoplex Media on your uh, pod catcher of choice. Um, I was reluctant to add another show, but I think this was the right show to add. So I'm glad you uh, came to me with this idea, Matt. 